So when I was um, preparing for this message that actually came to me, that um, we're talking about communion tonight, and Jesus invited the disciples to come and eat with him. He invited them to come and be a part of the last Passover meal before he went and um, was crucified and before he went to fulfill the will of the Father. And so he's inviting us to come to the table tonight. He's inviting us to come to get all that we need. In those scenes, it was a father that sat at the head of the table, and he was there to help his children process their week. He was there to help his children um, get through some hard times. And so Jesus is inviting us to come and sit at the table and receive from him. So that's what we're going to do tonight, and that's what we're going to do as we take communion. Um, Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and... um, so, it, like I said, it's the last Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, and the scripture says that Jesus was eager to eat with them before his sufferings began. So, he invited them, and it was a time where he imparted some things to them. He gave them some direction. It was a time of fellowship, and then it was a time of communion, where he would seal with them a new covenant. So he, he established a new covenant and it was sealed by his blood. And so they had a meal to commemorate, to celebrate what he was about to do for them on the cross. And so um, Passover was actually, so I'm talking about Passover and also about communion, but Passover was a time that um, God communicated to the Israelites to remember what he did for them when they came out of Egypt. So he delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. They had a Passover meal that night. The blood was um, posted over the doorposts. The angel of death passed over them, and God brought them out of bondage. And so we have this ordinance that Jesus is participating in with his um, disciples. So it was something that they did on a yearly basis. And so he's calling them together for this meal, but it's really going to be the last one that they're going to have with him. And so it's a time that he has to fellowship with them. It's a time, you know, his last time to really just kind of impart into them and to share some things with them. So um, I'm sure you're probably already in Luke. I'm going to get there now, too. Look, I'm flipping through my Bible, so I (laughs) don't go too fast. So in Luke chapter 22... Verse 7, it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room? Where can I eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare 
our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. I like that. When Jesus invites you somewhere, he takes care of it. He invited them to dinner, and he didn't say, well, I need you to bring this, I need you to bring that, and oh, you're bringing another person, I need you to do this. No, he's like, I've got it all prepared for you. I've got the place set up, I've got the room set up, I've got the table set up, and that's how it is when we come into his presence and when we commune with him and when we spend time with him. Whatever we need is already there. So they didn't have to, you know, go search it down. They didn't have to find it. But all they had to do was show up. He had already prepared it. He's like, I already got this worked out. I already got this worked out. Just go. And when you go, it's already going to be done. And I like that. (laughs) That's how Jesus is. He does it right. You know, when you get invited somewhere and, um, you know, you go to somebody's house and it feels nice to have an invitation and be invited somewhere, especially when you know that you go to someone's house or wherever you're going and you know those people are, you know, they take care of you, you know? And so it's such a cool thing. So Jesus invited them and everything was taken care of. So in in, um, verse 13, it says, they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus has said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my sufferings began. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So in that time... Um, And during that meal, during that Passover, it was a reminder that they were in eternal covenant with God and they were in in eternal covenant with each other. And so God is a God of covenant. He's a God of promise. And so in that time, you know, so Jesus first, he gave them direction. He told them, you know, it's all set up go here, do this, do that, and then they begin to fellowship. And so that just reminds me that when we come into the presence of God and when we sit down at his table that we've been invited to, it's a time of fellowship. And what makes our fellowship with God so much sweeter is if we have an understanding of who he is. Many people know that God exists. They know that there is a God but they don't really know God. And I like how, you know, the Bible is written from the perspective and the assumption that God exists, and, and, and God doesn't take time in his word to spend time trying to prove that he exists, but what he does in his word is continue to communicate to us who he is. And so we, if we're entering into covenant with someone, it helps us to know who that person is. And so God says over and over in his word, I, I'm a good God. 
I love you. I want to bless you. I want to do things for you. I have healing for you. I have life for you. I have so many good things for you. And so it's important for us to know him. Many people see God as maybe a judge, or they see him as, um, you know, three strikes, you're out. If I do something wrong, God's going to strike me down. Or if I don't do this right, you know, this isn't going to happen. You know, they have this perception of God, or they see see the, the effects of God. They see the wind blowing. They see things happening in the earth. They see life. They see trees growing. They see death. They see all of this stuff, but they don't realize that they can have a relationship with God, that he's not just some far off being doing all these things for us, but he, he wants to be right here with us. And we can talk to him and he's a father. He's a father. He's not just up there somewhere. But he's like, I love you. I made you. I created you. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I knit you together. So I want a fellowship with you. I want to have time with you. And so that's why he gave us his son, so that we could have that type of relationship with him. He gave his son to die for us. His blood was shed so that we could go into covenant with God, so that we could have that relationship with God. And as you get to know him, you discover his love. He is not only perfect love, he is love. He's identified himself with us through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He is a loving God, and he is a loving Father. He's full of compassion, he's full of kindness, he's full of understanding, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger. That's a good thing right there. <laughs> I know somebody else has slow the anger. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he is slow the anger, and that's such, such a good thing. I know me, sometimes I can do stuff, and I can be super annoying, and uh, I can push the limits and push the buttons of some people, but I'm so thankful that God is slow to anger. Because sometimes when he asks us to do something, it may take us a little bit to get in gear and get it together. And instead of him going, I told you to do that, and why aren't you doing this? He's loving, he's compassionate, he's merciful, he is kind, and we are the object of his attention, we are the object of his affection. He loves us. In Jeremiah 9, verse 23, and this is in the RSV version of the Bible, it says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who, who practiced steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight says the Lord. Wherever you are in your life, God wants you to know him. 
He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to enter in to a covenant love relationship with him. Whoever enters into covenant with him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what John 3.16 says. Your relationship with God is not a goal or an achievement. It's a process, and it will last for the rest of your life. So you don't have to set this goal like, I have to know this about God by this time, or, you know, I've got to do all of this. You know, it's, it's not a ritual. It's a process. It's daily communing with him. It's daily fellowshipping with him. It's daily coming to his table. It's daily being fed. It's daily receiving all that he has for you. And it's a continual process. And it's good. And it's not boring. (laughs) Your relationship with God does not have to be boring or some type of ritual. God is exciting. He's good. He does amazing things. Read your Bible. You will see, he is not a boring God. (laughs) He does the impossible. The point of this process is to grow closer to God, to be with him, and to continually live in him. So, you know, in this meal, so they're coming together, they're fellowshipping, and it's a time to fellowship with Jesus, it's a time to fellowship with God, and so um, in their time with Jesus, he cuts covenant with them. Jesus gathered his disciples together to participate in a covenant meal of bread and wine. After the meal, his blood was poured out on the cross as a memorial to the covenant. Jesus cut covenant for all mankind. He took all of our sins with him to the cross. He was a spotless sacrifice. He poured out his blood so that he could confirm that covenant with God and us. God promised us in that covenant It's like this exchange took place. He takes our sin, he gives us righteousness. He takes our sickness, he gives us healing. He takes our sorrow, he gives us joy. He takes our lack, and he gives us prosperity. We get the better end of the deal, right? (laughs) That's the kind of person I want to be in covenant relationship, right? In Matthew 26, verse 28, it says, For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Hebrews 9, 20, and this is all in the New Living Translation. I'm going to just read it. (laughs) It says, Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. He also, so I gave you three things. Number one, in that time, um, Jesus gave them direction. They had a time of fellowship, and then they took communion. They did other things, but those are the three things that I'm um, gonna talk about tonight. And so that fellowship was threefold. It was a fellowship with God, a fellowship with Jesus, and also a fellowship with each other. We need relationships. We need people in our lives. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, and this is the Message Bible. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 
and then verses 39 through 40. It says, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hang from them. We need dual dimensions in our relationships. We need our vertical relationship and we need a horizontal relationship. You know, in the, in the, when God created Adam, you know, it was him and Adam walking around the garden for a while, chilling, hanging out, you know, doing their thing. And then God was like, you need somebody. <laughs> and he gave him a woman. A person, someone with skin on him. <laughs> He's like, yes, we have a relationship. We have a fellowship. But you need someone there on earth with you. We should live out our relationships based on our vertical connection with a loving God. He loves, forgives, and blesses us. And that is how we should treat our horizontal relationships as well. So as we grow and develop in our relationship with God, it helps us to grow and develop in our relationship with people. We can't be islands unto ourselves. Can't just say, oh, it's okay, it's just me and God, we're going to do this thing. You can't go around, you know, causing division and, and stirring up strife and disconnecting and, you know, and, and severing relationships. You can't go around doing that. It's important to have people in your life. They help build you up. They help encourage you. Good relationships are vital in every area of your life. You need people to bounce stuff off of. You need people in your life so you're not weird. You ever meet just a weird Christian? It's like, do you talk to real people? What planet are you on? What world are you living in? can't relate with anybody around them? How are you supposed to share the gospel with people being so weird? <laughs> you need to somebody to say, you are being weird. Take it down a notch. Calm down. You know, that's why it's beneficial to have good relationships in our lives. Good relationships, good friends tell you the truth. You got a boogie in your nose. You got something in your teeth. That does not look right on you. Take that off. I love you. You did such a great job today. You're such a phenomenal person. I'm so glad to be your friend. You're so creative. You're so kind. You're such a beautiful person. You have such a great heart. What you said to that person wasn't very nice. That's what good relationships do. That's what people in your life help you. Every relationship you, you have in your life influences your life. There are no neutral relationships. Everyone lifts you, lifts you up or weighs you down. They move you forward or they hold you back. They help you or you, they hurt you. 
have this quote. I went to a, a conference a few years back, and it was a marketing conference. And um, one of the speakers shared this, and I thought it was just phenomenal. And it says, who you hang out with determines what you dream about and what you collide with. And the collisions and dreams lead to your changes. And your changes are what you become. Change the outcome by changing your circle. It's important who you have in your circle. For Jesus' last meal, he chose those that were closest to him. But he also weeded out someone that didn't belong in that group. He acknowledged, he said, there's one of you in this room that's going to betray me. Go ahead and do what you need to do. Don't stay here in my inner circle. Don't stay here with this group of people. Go ahead and do what you need to do. And there are some times you're going to have to evaluate your relationships. You're going to have to look around and you're going to have to see. Are these people helping me to do the will of God? Are they taking me where I need to go in him? Are they encouraging me? Are they bringing the correction that I need? But then there was also another one in the room, which was Peter. And Jesus acknowledged, hey, you're going to deny me three times, but you're going to be restored back to me. So there's also those hard people that may be in your life and you're ready to dismiss them but you need to pray for them because God wants to restore them and restore that relationship that you have because you need each other to run the race that he has for you. But you can only tell the difference if you have your relationship and your fellowship vertically correct, then he can help you in these horizontal relationships because you may be like, God, I'm so sick of them. I'm so tired of them. I'm so tired of dealing with them. <laughs> Let's pause and say la. Say la. Pause on that. And we want to pass judgments on people. We want to pick out things in them and say, You used to be my friend, but you wear red shoes. Really, sometimes, you know, you get so weird that it becomes something so petty like that, that you ruin relationships over. Let's fight over the color of our dirt. My dirt's dark, my dirt's light, my dirt's yellow, my dirt is this. You know, let's, let's fight over our dirt and let's mess up our relationships because you don't get me and I don't get you. And we mess up relationships over things that are so petty. Why are we fighting over dirt? Because at the end of the day, we're all going to go to heaven. And it doesn't matter. Here on this earth, he says we're going to have trials. We're going to go through different things. We're going to experience persecution. We're going to have people coming against us. We're going to have people coming against us because they just don't like us. There were people that came against Jesus and they just didn't like him. 
Okay, so you're in good company if people just don't like you. It's okay. You're still gonna make it. You're still gonna be victorious. You can still fulfill the will of God on your life if people don't like you. I'm just saying. The purpose of relationships is to add value to people's lives and to help each person involved contribute to others in positive life-building ways. Proverbs 13:20 in the Message Bible says, "Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces." Make sure you take time in your time with God to evaluate your relationships. Where you are in life today is because of relationships, either successful ones or not so successful ones. Relationships can be the source of our greatest joy or our place of greatest pain. When we come in covenant with God, it is a, an everlasting relationship, not only with him, but also with his people. So we have to consider that, and we have to do what he tells us to do. If it was easy, he wouldn't tell us to walk in love. He had to say it because he knew we would have challenges with it. He knew when he created us individual and all different that we would have challenges with each other because it's a learning process. It's getting to know each other. It's getting to understand each other. It's communicating with each other. So we should fellowship with God, fellowship with Jesus, and fellowship with each other. So we get to the part in the story um, where they take communion. Um, Verse 17 says, then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And then that's when he goes into talking about um, Judas being there, and he talks about those relationships. Jesus broke bread, and it represented his body. He took the cup, it represented his blood, and he asked them to partake. He was sealing the deal on a new covenant, which was based on his blood. A covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. It's the closest, most sacred of all contracts, and it cannot be broken. When you enter into blood covenant with someone, you promise to give your life, your love, and your protection forever. We are in covenant with Almighty God. As a believer, it doesn't get any better than that. We are promised his, <laughs> he promises to give us life, love, and protection forever. That's powerful. 
Isaiah 54.10 in the NIV version says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Thank you.